be with you and you want to turn to Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3. <clears throat> I'm going to have to bring the Bible up. My eyesight's not great. <laughs> um, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then turning to Exodus 20, verse 8 to 10. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. And then finally, turning to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Great. Well, good morning. Um, it is great to be here. It was wonderful to walk down um, from our house down Lynchmere Road this morning um, and hear the crunch of the, the snow but no cars. <clears throat> so it's good to be here, but it's not good that you're not here. Um, I guess with the snow, some of you, probably a lot of you wouldn't have made it anyway. Um, but pandemic-wise, uh, I know it's tough. Um, I'm not sure how you're doing at the moment. Uh, I am certainly finding I'm getting increasingly frustrated with lockdown. Um, I'm missing having people over for dinner. Uh, I'm missing seeing people socially. I'm missing us being able to connect here on a Sunday morning together and have coffee and just chat. Um, it's so difficult not being able to meet in person but it's nothing compared to the difficulty that hospitals are facing with so much demand at the moment and that many people and their families are facing when they contract COVID-19. So while the government would permit us to meet here in person and we've all the COVID safe procedures in place, um, we are planning to stay closed for in-person services until infection rates and hospital pressure in our area eases a bit more. So as a leadership team, we're going to monitor this um, as, we, as we go forward. Uh, I'm very aware that for some of you, meeting and worshipping in person is very important. Um, so, so for you, I would just love to open our doors to, to public worship in person, uh, but we'll do that when we feel it's right and responsible and a loving thing to do. 
And before I get started as well, Ro mentioned the Vineyard National Gathering. Can I just commend that to you? Um, If you don't know the Vineyard Movement, it's a great way for you just to catch some of their heart. Um, John and Debbie Wright lead Vineyard in the UK and Ireland, um, and they're speaking on Friday evening. So it runs from Wednesday evening through to Friday evening. If you can only do one slot, then I'd really encourage you to join in on Friday evening to hear John and Debbie Wright. Um, I've attended the predecessor to this event, um, uh, actually quite a lot over the last 10, 12 years in the the leadership team we all attended two years ago, Tara and I joined, joined it last year, and it's always blessed and encouraged and challenged me greatly. So please do join if you can. Okay, so this morning uh, I have the pleasure of introducing our series on the Sabbath. And to put this talk in context, we spent all last term looking at what it means to be a follower, a disciple, or an apprentice to Jesus. And we saw that an apprentice to Jesus orients their lives around three things. First, being with Jesus. Second, becoming like Jesus. And third, doing what Jesus did. So this term, we're diving into some of the practices of Jesus because we want to do what he did And we've been uh, focusing on the practices that are primarily about spending time with Jesus, about just being in God's presence. Ro mentioned we've talked about silence and solitude for the last couple of weeks. How we often need to take time out of the business and busyness of life just to be with Jesus. And actually, we saw that Jesus often himself just, you know, took himself out um, and off to a solitary place to spend time with his father. And if, it's, if it was important for Jesus, it's even more important for us. So today we want to talk about the Sabbath. Ro just read from Genesis there. Uh, Sabbath, a day of rest, is part of the creation narrative. God worked for six days And then he rested. Though interestingly, if you think about it from the perspective of Adam and Eve, Sabbath was their first day. They were created on day six, and their first full day was a Sabbath, a day of rest. So humankind was created and then given a day to rest and delight and worship before starting work. So we'll maybe come back to that concept of working from rest later in the series. We then read from Exodus chapter 20. And Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, command number four. It's the longest in the ten, and it's a positive commandment. It's a command to do something. We're commanded to remember the Sabbath, to stop working, to keep it holy to keep it focused on God. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And if we can uh, go to the PowerPoint, um, the Hebrew word for Sabbath is, and let's see if it comes up, see if you can pronounce that, Shabbat. Um, and it's, it's likely to have derived from the Hebrew verb um, Sabbat, which means to stop or to cease or to keep. 
And Sabbath is a practice that Jesus would have been brought up with, just like any Jewish boy or girl in first century Palestine. It would have been part of his weekly rhythm. His mother Mary would probably have lit the Sabbath candle before sunset on Friday evening and prayed a blessing. They would have shared a special meal together, at feasting probably with laughter and stories. There may have also been singing of the Psalms. And then on Saturday morning, the whole family would have attended synagogue together. They would have heard scriptures read, the Torah, the prophets, the Psalms, sometimes chanted or sung. Uh, they would have heard them explained. They would have prayed together. And then back at home, there would have been another prayer of blessing and then the Sabbath breakfast. And finally, towards the end of the Sabbath, another special blessing would have concluded at the Sabbath period at sundown on Saturday. Sabbath is mentioned 46 times in the New Testament. And Jesus was challenged by the Sabbath more than once. He made it clear that he was Lord of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, this command is meant to be a blessing to us. Just like the other practices of Jesus or spiritual disciplines, Sabbath is designed to bring us into the good life, to bring us into life and life to the full that Jesus had for us. It's part of Jesus' yoke designed to lead us into rest and fruitfulness. So, why do we need the Sabbath? Well, Our desire, if you think about your desire, the thing that motivates you, the thing that gets you up in the morning, our desire is infinite. John D. Rockefeller, the American businessman and probably the first billionaire in the world, was asked, how much is enough? And his answer was, just one dollar more. We're never satisfied, are we? If you've ever been around children for any length of time, you will be familiar with the word more, more. Can I do that again? Or more food or more play or whatever. Desire is infinite, but we as human beings, we are finite. And the result is we are restless. We struggle with our desires. We struggle to be satisfied. And the question is then, how do we live with this restlessness. And there's different answers to the question. Buddhism, for example, would suggest that we disconnect from our desires. We live on a different plane to your desires. Most of the society around us, modern humanism, would just say, say yes to your desires. If it feels good, do it. Go on ahead, buy that extra thing. Eat out at that restaurant whenever they're open again. Sleep with whoever you want, whenever you want. Just as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, just go for it. So what would Jesus say? Well, I think Jesus would say this. Put your desire in its proper place on God. All your other desires, put them below God, submitted to him. Because human desire is infinite, Because we were made to live forever with God in his world, and nothing less than that will ever satisfy. Augustine, uh, the fourth century bishop and philosopher, said this, 
Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. More recently, Dallas Willard said, desire is infinite partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all our needs. We are only at home in God. When we fall away from God, The desire for the infinite remains, but it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. John Mark Comer commented that the default setting of the human condition post-Eden is not atheism. It's not that we're, you know, wired to just disbelieve that God exists. It's idolatry. It's to aim our desire not at God but at something else. Those could be reasonably positive things or they could be negative things. They could be career, marriage, children, travel, popularity, but ultimately nothing in this life apart from God can ever satisfy your desire because only God is infinite. Only God is the solution to that problem. So without God, where does that leave us Well, at best, it's a chronic state of restlessness, or it could be worse, disappointment, anger, disillusionment, frustration, even despair, which will then often lead us into a life of hurry and distraction and materialism, which makes us more restless, and so the vicious cycle continues. And I think this is exacerbated by the society we live in today that's based on accomplishment and accumulation. It's often prompted and funded by advertisers, um, and the result is envy and even more desire. And technology sometimes doesn't help. I say that as someone who likes technology, um, but this is what um, A.J. Swoboda said. Our time-saving devices Technological conveniences and cheap mobility have seemingly made life much easier and interconnected. As a result, we have more information at our fingertips than anyone in history. Yet, with all this progress, we are ominously dissatisfied. In bowing at these sacred sacred altars of hyperactivity, progress, technological compulsivity, our souls increasingly pant for meaning and value and truth as they wither away, exhausted, frazzled, displeased, ever on edge. And into this, Jesus of Nazareth comes to offer you rest. Rest for your body, but also rest for your soul. Let's read the passage at row red from Matthew, but in the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. 
Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, Jesus' vision for how we are to live is grounded in rest. You know, God's been emphasizing to us as, as a church, as Three Counties Church, the image of the vine and the branches in John chapter 15, I think for over a year now. This is Jesus' picture for how we are to bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And it's not about ambition or working hard, but it's simply about abiding, resting in God's presence. And if we break off that restful connection to God, to the Father, you know, the, the, the connection to the vine through sin, through hurry, or through neglect, then we bear no fruit, but we also get burnt out. We find this compromise or defeat, anger, sadness in our lives. And this is not Jesus' heart for you or for us. He's not glorified by unhappy, stressed out people. Often I don't rest until I really have to. I wonder if you're like that. And sometimes I can confuse rest with entertainment. You know, so I'm tired, but instead of resting, I flop down on the sofa to watch TV or I scroll through social media. And I don't really rest. And often I don't rest for very long. Are you like that too, I wonder? You just rest enough to survive, but not enough to get life to the full. Because the best stuff happens when we are rested. Without rest, we cannot live the life that Jesus has on offer. Rest, Sabbath, margin. Do, do you view these as essential to your life with Jesus, as central to your apprenticeship to him? Jesus said the greatest command is to love, to love God, to love your neighbor as yourself. I know for me, when I am well rested, I'm at my best self. It's easy to be loving. I don't snap at the kids so much. It's easier to understand my wife, sort of. I'm more likely to deal well with a challenge or a, an issue or a crisis at work. But when I'm not rested, it's not pretty. I don't love well and row and my boys can tell you that so is there a practice from the life of Jesus that can help deal with our restlessness we read the invite from the end of Matthew 11 into rest for your soul do you know what the next line is about it's in it's in Matthew chapter 12 but um, when the Bible was written there weren't chapter divisions it's about the Sabbath. In fact, Matthew follows his invite into rest, not just with one, but with two stories about the Sabbath. A time to stop, to stop worrying, to stop wanting.
This ancient practice of Sabbath that's part of the creation narrative and one of the Ten Commandments may be new to many of us. I grew up in a church tradition that actually put a lot of emphasis on the Sabbath, but many churches haven't emphasized this practice. One commentator said, um, Sabbath has been largely forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The results are road-weary, exhausted churches that have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. You see, the command is for us to remember the Sabbath because God knows we're prone to amnesia, that we're easily distracted, that we can forget to do those things that are good for us. So what is Sabbath? Well, it's one day in seven when you stop, rest, delight, and worship. It's also more than just a day. John Mark Comer commented, it's a spirit of restfulness that comes as a result of living in God's loving presence all week long. Let's compare restfulness with restlessness. Maybe just take a few seconds to look at some of those words. What list describes you best? Do you have margin in your life or are you consumed with busyness? Do you have deep relationships or are they shallow or even maybe there's isolation? Do you get time for delight or are you distracted? Do you enjoy what you have or actually has envy got in? If you were asked to describe your week, how would you do that? If somebody said, how have you been doing this week? Would you just say, you know, it's been wonderful. I've had so much margin. Or would it be a more normal response, at least the ones I hear? Oh, it's been so busy. You know, would you say, I'm just deeply content? Or is the reality that you're actually striving for more? Is your ordinary life enough? Has my, is my mic okay? Yeah. Um, is your ordinary life enough today? Not just when you accomplish the next thing on your list, not just when you've achieved this goal or that goal, and when you're out of lockdown, when this or that problem has gone away. But now, is your ordinary life enough? Because your actual life is full of the goodness and love of God, full of God's restfulness if you look for it. Hebrews chapter 4 says, um, there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And then verse 11 says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And this sounds like a bit of a paradox, right? We work like crazy to rest, but it's not saying that. It is true that Sabbath takes effort. You need a plan. You need to prepare Actually, in in biblical times, the day before Sabbath was called the day of preparation. And you may need to say no to certain things in order to do Sabbath well. But just like the other practices of Jesus, Sabbath leads us into God's fullness of life. 
We need to do Sabbath well if we are to rest. Walter Brueggemann said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. So today we begin our practice on Sabbath. We're going to be spending the next four weeks looking at this on Sundays and discussing it in small groups. And we're going to be looking at rhythm and and how God worked for seven days and rested for one, built that rhythm into the fabric of creation. We're going to look at how actually Sabbath can be an act of resistance um, when our society is addicted to the drugs of accomplishment and and accumulation. Sabbath can help us resist that. And actually how Sabbath meets the desires of our humanity to encounter God. If you're not doing Sabbath, can I encourage you to find a day? You can start with half a day or, if you, or, or less if you want, but I encourage you to find a day. Um, and many Christians will make that day Sunday. That's what I grew up with. Uh, Sunday was a day when my family um, completely stopped work. I remember even before GCSE finals, um, or GCSE exams and university finals, I just didn't study. And it was just amazing. Um, it was such a joy and blessing. I can still remember the peace I had going out for a walk in Birmingham, well, outside Birmingham where there was green hills, with a friend the Sunday before my university finals. And I just felt freedom and peace. And I believe it really helped me in those exams. And Sunday's also when we worship together as a church family, so another of the key focuses of Sabbath. A traditional Jewish Sabbath is from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. In the right household, we actually celebrate Sabbath um, from about 7 o'clock or so on Saturday to 7 p.m. on Sunday, and that works for us. Uh, some people who work weekends will take Sabbath on a midday uh, a midweek day. And what do you do on Sabbath? Well, uh, Tom has put in some, uh, a great guide for us. Um, he uh, was sent out with the bulletin on Thursday. Um, if you haven't received that, actually, maybe we could put up the church email address um, and you can just email the church office and get this, I think it's a two-page guide to, to Sabbath. And he says three things. One, set aside a 24-hour period to rest and worship. We've talked about that. Two, Pick an act to clearly begin and end your Sabbath. And then three, just spend the entire day in rest and delight and worship. And what might you do? Well, here's some suggestions. Um, Lighting candles. We we lit a candle in our household at 7 p.m. yesterday just as a way to mark the start of the the Sabbath You might eat a meal or feast once we're able to invite people over. You might invite people over for that. Read scripture, pray, sing, nap. Actually, in in Yiddish, I think it's called the Sabbath schluff. It's a Sabbath nap. My parents were were really, really good at that. um, And I love the word. So these are just some suggestions, walking in nature, worshiping in community, spending time with, alone with God or with family and friends, giving thanks. But don't misunderstand, these are not a to-do list. Uh, I'm one of those people that live by to-do lists. Every day I have a to-do list apart from today because it's my Sabbath. It's a day when I don't have a to-do list. So these are just ideas, they're just good practices, and none of them are musts. I think actually God was deliberately broad in his command to remember the Sabbath and stop work, keep it holy, keep it to the Lord. 
Remember, it's a practice, and it takes practice. So you're not necessarily going to get it right first time. So experiment with different things uh, and see what works. See what brings you life and delight and connection with God and give it time. This is an invitation. It's permission from God, (laughs) right from the top, to stop for a day. So how is the soul? How is your soul? Are you rested? Maybe in this pandemic, some of you might have stopped from some of the physical hurry, but maybe as Roe mentioned earlier, for some of you, your mind is in a hurry. There's pressure um, from many different directions. And God's invitation this morning is to participate in his Sabbath rest. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your kindness and your generosity. We thank you that you gave us Sabbath as a gift, as a day to stop, to rest, to drink in those things that delight us, to enjoy your world, to enjoy your creation, to enjoy all you've given us, and to connect with you. Lord, I just pray right across our church family, Wherever we are as individuals in our practice of Sabbath, would you take us deeper into your rest? Would you help us as we discuss things in small groups to learn from one another? And help us to grow in our discipleship to you in this this beautiful life-giving command. In Jesus' name, amen.